the really important one is the alkalinity. That's what we also call the buffer capacity because that is what has the ability to buffer and counterbalance those coffee acids. We tend to, you know, try and keep things simple for our clients and work towards a 12-month preventative maintenance cycle. A few years back, one of our customers, their boiler was so corroded that it developed a hole in it and it started leaking out all over the electrics. Yeah, and in terms of hardness, we generally saw that a lot of coffees, they react positively if you increase hardness in terms of aroma. Welcome back to the Fifth Wave Podcast. I'm Jeffrey Young, Editor-in-Chief of coffee business magazine, Fifth Wave. When opening a coffee shop, operators will frequently set aside a small fortune for an iconic espresso machine. But when customers put an espresso to their lips, 98% of what they're drinking is actually just water. As we'll hear, not investing in water quality could cost your business an even greater fortune. So what kind of water makes for an excellent espresso and well-running coffee machines? And how should hospitality business owners embed water management systems into their day-to-day operations? To explore the world of water for coffee, we're speaking with one of the world's leading coffee water scientists, Dr. Marco Vellinger, Research Associate at the Zurich University of Applied Sciences. We'll then be speaking with two coffee shop operators to understand how they manage water in their operations, We'll be joined by John White of Bean Coffee and Mike Logue, Wholesale Director at Redemption Roasters. But we're starting this episode with Sam Scholes, Head of Beverage at Britta Professional UK, to understand what commercial solutions exist for water filtration. I'm delighted to be here today with Sam Scholes, who's Head of Beverage at Britta Professional UK. (laughs) Thank you, Jeffrey. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you very much. Excellent. What are some of the elements in water that mm-hmm. need to be managed by sort of water treatment? There's several things that you need to really, really consider. And, and Sky, the Speciality Coffee Association, actually have a, a water recipe that focuses on, on certain parameters. And as experts, their advice is that if you can control those variables, you can, you can really hit a sweet spot and then you can have perfect water. And they recommend is that if you can get your water free from chlorine, if it has a total hardness of between 50 and 175 parts per million, an alkalinity of between 40 and 75 parts per million, and a pH between 6 and 8, then coffee can can, can fully develop its full flavour and aroma. Yeah, slow it down. There's three variables there that you're controlling. So hardness? <laughs> Let me help you out. First things first, it wants to be free from chlorine, okay? okay? You need to use a filter that has a really, really good way of removing any of those kind of unwanted tastes and odours that are found naturally in water. So we use activated carbon and we use activated carbon because it's burnt at really, really high levels, which means that the, the porous area, the surface area of the carbon takes out all of that unwanted chlorine. It absorbs it like a sponge. Yep. Then you've got your different kind of mineral content. So total hardness. Yep. So when you think of water hardness, it's measured in something called T 
TDS, which is total dissolved solids. But the total dissolved solids, it's just a measure of everything in the water. Okay, so you're measuring all of the cations, the anions, the non-forming hardness ions and salts, total hardness, permanent hardness. I could go on. It's confusing. All you actually really need to be able to control is the total hardness and the alkalinity. Now, the really important one is the alkalinity. That's what we also call the buffer capacity because that is what has the ability to buffer and counterbalance those coffee acids, okay? So if you get that right, the alkalinity, the buffer capacity, then you're going to get the right extraction on your coffee. So you've got, you've got the right alkalinity measured by pH, is that right? Alkalinity within the water recipe language mm. is not alkalinity on a pH scale. Okay. So I'm referring to alkalinity in, in its buffer capacity. Okay. Okay? From a pH perspective, that yes, is acids and alkalinity, they at Sky recommend a range between 6 and 8. Of course, all that is as free as chlorine as can possibly be as well. Absolutely. Don't forget to take out the chlorine, yeah. <laughs> wow. Now, why does water treatment help to preserve coffee equipment There's a chemical reaction that happens when water is heated. And if there is too high a mineral content within the water of the wrong types of minerals, which is why you need filters to take that out, then you can end up with scale. You absolutely don't want scale, which can be very costly for the user. When you've had your equipment break down and you've got to have a new boiler or you've got to have your level probes descaled or or it's not working and you've lost revenue because you've had to turn consumers away because your kit's down and you're waiting for a service engineer to come out. Um, And people tend to spend a lot of time and energy and effort and resource in sourcing the right equipment, sourcing the right beans, um, sourcing the right grinder, and then just forget the water treatment because we take it for granted because it's safe for us as as humans to drink, but it, it just really isn't safe for equipment or for the quality of the beverages. Now, what about the nuts and bolts of installing... And, you know, what's the cycle of, of replacement of filters, etc.? Right. There's three golden rules you need to bear in mind when you're looking at water filtration. And the first thing you need to do um, before you put one of these big cylindrical <laughs> vessels onto your, your piece of kit is you need to test your water. OK, you need to know what you're starting with so that you can set it up correctly because it just isn't a one size fits all. That's super simple. It can be done with one of our drop test kits and then that will tell you how hard your water is and what parameters you're starting with. Secondly, you need to treat your water and use a filter that's going to have technology sophisticated enough to control that blend regardless of what your starting point is. And what we use is we have an Intelli bypass and that allows you to control the blend and maintain consistent filtrate, not only in mineral content, but also in pH. Let's say you, you're in London and you've tested it at 10 degrees of carbonate hardness. We've got a matrix that allows you to understand, well, what do I set this Intelli bypass at? And that would tell you to set it at 40%. You would turn the, the, the bypass to 40 And then what that does, 100% of the water is filtered, but only a certain part of it is going through the technology that reduces the, the minerals. Okay. So all of it is filtered in terms of it's all going through the, the carbon to be able to take out the, the chlorine, those unwanted tastes and odours, and then the other percentage is going through the minerals. And then what comes out as a filtrate at the other end is the perfect balance. So there's test, yep. treat. Yep. And, and one more thing. Yep. Repeat. 
So we always advise that you change your filter when it's reached its capacity or at 12 months, whichever comes sooner. Fantastic. Sam, thanks for being with us here today on Fifth Wave. Thank you so much for having us. Speaking of operators, now let's hear from two of them to understand the real day-to-day challenges they're overcoming when incorporating water solutions into their businesses. First up is Mike Logue, Wholesale Director at Redemption Roasters in London. Welcome, Mike. Thanks, Jeffrey. I want you to tell us a little bit about Redemption Roasters. How many stores do you have? We've got eight stores now, all around London. Most of them are central London. And how many espresso machines would that represent? Yeah, we have eight, you know, one, one per store. We have three group slayers in most of our stores. You know, we run a, a wholesale operation. Within that, we've got our own sort of training rooms. Uh, we have, you know, various espresso machines. And then in the roastery itself, we have, you know, espresso machines that we do a lot of quality control and testing and things like that on. So there's loads of pieces of equipment in our portfolio. And do you need filters on other equipment other than the espresso machine? So your your regular boilers, you know, where you're making sort of pour-overs pour or batch brews, do they also need filter systems? Anything where water is heated up and, and boiled, yes. Drinking water also. But the internals of a, a coffee machine require a filter just to protect them. And, and the key really is making sure that they're maintained on a regular basis. You know, preventative maintenance is probably the biggest secret to, to looking after your, your coffee quality long term and your equipment. This equipment isn't cheap. You've got to look after it like you would, like you would a car. And that's, that's the analogy that we often use when we're selling, selling equipment to clients is you get your MOT every year on your car and you need to do the same for your, your coffee equipment. And the biggest and most important part from our perspective, I think, is changing those water filters on a regular basis. So if someone is sort of unwise enough not to sort of do a preventive maintenance on their sort of water filtration, and what's the worst that can happen? Well, the worst that can happen is the machine goes down, you know, and then you, you can't serve coffee. At all? At all. If you get a blocked group head, then you've got no water coming through it. and You might go down to a single group, but, you know, real... Worst case scenarios is you get a blockage in the whole system and nothing's coming out and then you can't serve coffee. So, you know, for those businesses where coffee is key to their service, that's a huge loss. For a filter that's mm. going to cost you a couple of hundred quid, you know, to maintain on, a, yep. on, a, on an annual basis, uh, you know, you, yep. you'll lose that in the first hour. If you think about spreading that cost over a, a period of 12 months, it's really nothing break it down by coffee, the the cost disappears, really. And how does someone know when they have to service their filter? Depending on what um, filtration system you're using, there is a piece of kit out there that can give you, you know, reminders about when they're due to be replaced or how much uh, water you've used. And each filter has varying sizes, you know, 10,000 litres, 30,000 litres, et cetera, et cetera. That's irrelevant to most of us. We don't know how much water we're using. You know, I think speaking to your coffee provider or the equipment provider, they'll be able to give you an indication of how much water you're going to use over a period of time. And whether you choose to, you know, change your filters every three months, six months, 12 months, that's up to you. We tend to, you know, try and keep things simple for our clients and work towards a 12-month preventative maintenance cycle. 
Great. Well, recommendation here from Mike is look after your water preventative maintenance in order to look after your business. Thanks, Mike, for joining us here today. Thank you. And now let's speak with John White, co-founder of Bean Coffee, a chain of 20 coffee stores across Liverpool and Manchester, which he founded in 2008. John, thanks for joining us today on Fifth Wave. Thanks for having me. I wonder if you'd tell us a little bit about first about the sort of state of equipment that you have across your 20 sites. Well, obviously, espresso machine in every site, boiler in every site as well. And they all require some form of filtration? I understand you've got some good water in Liverpool. Yeah, pretty good. Well, I suppose it's a balance between being, you don't want it to be too hard and you don't want it to be too soft. The water is pretty soft in Liverpool and Manchester. In Liverpool, we get Clark readings of around four and a half. And then in Manchester, it's as low as two in some parts. So pretty low. We found ourselves in the position where we don't want to filter out any more because you don't want to take any of the minerals out that you need for great coffee extraction. But obviously there's that balance against the maintenance that you don't want to have the scale forming in, in the machines. So we tend to use just a carbon block to filter out obviously the chlorine and the taste and odor and the bacteria side of things. But then it doesn't take out any minerals that we need for the coffee extraction. Because I think if we softened it past that point, it would probably be a little bit too soft and then it'd be going against the coffee extraction. So in terms of running this program through your business, what's required to keep the water right? Yeah, it's an annual program. So we have it diarised, obviously, from when sites open. You want to be changing it annually. So we keep the filters in stock. We work with a local supplier, Aquacure, we have done for, for some years. We tend to test it. We do test it quite regularly because we found... Over the years, it seems to have changed, really. And next to Liverpool, the Wirral, it's only separated by, obviously, the River Mersey. And you can have Clark readings as high as 20 on the Wirral. But literally, a couple of miles away, two, three miles away, Liverpool City Centre, you've got this four, four and a half reading, which is obviously much, much, much softer. But I think over the years, I wonder if they've changed the way the, the pipes are rooting. So I think it is really important that you test regularly. So we tend to test it as often as every six months. We don't tend to see any scale, but... We do test regularly just to keep on top of it and just to make sure that we're not seeing any changes in the supply. So even at a local level, you're getting different water at different times of the year. Yeah. What can happen, like you said, a machine can go down. For someone that runs 20 coffee sites, what's the impact on the business? I mean, it's huge. It's, it's obviously people coming in, you know, the, it's a big deal when someone doesn't get the, the morning coffee, isn't it? You know, you're walking in, you're looking forward to coming and get your coffee, you don't get it. It's not just the loss of that immediate sale, but it's what's that going to do? Is that customer going to go to another shop? They're going to go somewhere else. They're going to change the habit. You know, is it going to be the last straw? If it does go down, what are the steps that sort of a manager of a store has to take? Our head roaster, Alex, he looks after the machines. So he's in contact with Mulmar. We look after the engineering for us across the region. So, you know, we'll try and get someone in as soon as possible. We don't tend to carry spares, you know, in stock. So it's a next day delivery generally you know it's a big deal if your machine goes down it's a big deal for us it's something we try and avoid Mm. a few years back one of our customers their boiler was so corroded that it developed a hole in it and it started leaking out all over the electrics oh my gosh so i mean i don't know whether that was scale or whether it was like corrosive acids or Mm -hmm. you know what the deal was why that happened but obviously that's worst case scenario because if you're into replacing the boiler that's a big job Well, John, thanks for joining us here today. That was fascinating to hear. Thanks for joining us. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. I think the message is pretty clear. 
Invest in water solutions to ensure the perfect tasting coffee. Avoid disruptive and costly breakdowns and save money on equipment in the long term. And you can achieve all this by simply implementing a scheduled water maintenance plan. And now for even more detail on the pure science of water for coffee, our final interview is with Dr. Marco Vellinger of the University of Zurich of Applied Sciences. Marco began his career over 10 years ago when he undertook a PhD in analytical chemistry and he became increasingly interested in coffee and now conducts cutting-edge research in water and sensory analysis for coffee. So now let's plunge into the depths of the science with one of the world's leading coffee water academics. Dr. Marco Vellinger, thanks for coming on Fifth Wave today. Hi there. Thanks for having me. So as far as I understand it, there is a standard filtration systems. There is also reverse osmosis. Is there any advantage and disadvantage to either of those methods? Yeah, the thing is, most waters are dominated by limestone. Yeah. If you dissolve limestone in water, which is uh, quite a slow process and happens over the course of months to years, you get the same amount of total hardness and alkalinity. So most waters out of the tap, if you're in Central Europe, uh, in the UK, but also in the US, most waters will group along this range where total hardness and alkalinity is about the same. Right. Then you have like different minerals, for example, gypsum, which is only increasing total hardness, but not affecting alkalinity. And this kind of changes things. So if we first focus on like the roughly two thirds of the tap waters, which are equal in uh, total hardness and alkalinity, you can use the uh, decarbonizer to get down both of them. But mm -hmm. there's kind of a limit of how much you can use it if you start with very high values, so something in excess of 250 ppm calcium carbonate. You have to be careful because you shouldn't feed then this softened water directly to your espresso machine. Because uh, in the process of bringing down both of these values, you're creating a carbonic acid. It's quite a weak acid, but if you create a lot of it, it can still corrode your boilers. There was this kind of these incidents they had in Denmark, where they uh, had they started with a very hard water and then they decarbonized it down to almost pure, and then they had, I think, half a dozen steel boilers which corroded through within uh, less than a year. Wow. So there's kind of a limit of how much you should decarbonize. We usually say the limit for us is that you shouldn't decarbonize by more than around 250 ppm calcium carbonate. And so this leads me kind of to the outliers. So for the waters that are not in this range of having an equal total hardness and alkalinity, if you have a much higher total hardness, uh, that's these kind of gypsum waters, then you can just use a softener, which only reduces total hardness to get near the optimum. And then... Lastly, there's the reverse osmosis, and this just produces pure water. So no matter where you start in terms of your composition, what comes out of uh, reverse osmosis is pure water. And then what people usually do is kind of mix it back with a bit of the tap water to get the mineral content back up a bit. I want you to tell us a little bit about sort of different geographies. I mean, how, how different are geographies in terms of the water? Yeah, I have some data mainly on Europe, but I also have a good data set on uh, the US. 
And there are huge differences in water composition and in terms of hardness and alkalinity, what, what we mainly concerned with, they're determined basically by the geology. So if you have limestone in your soil, then usually you get hard water. So if you look, uh, for example, in, in Europe, you see clearly that any places that are in regions with uh, limestone rock, and they'll end up having much harder water than places that have, for example, volcanic soil. Because mm -hmm. volcanic soil often has uh, stuff like granite in it, uh, which doesn't contain any uh, limestone or any calcium carbonate, so your water stays soft. Yeah. I mean, besides the, what's in your soil, that's kind of the primary determinant of where you will end up. You have time, of course. The longer your water stays within your soil, within the soil, the, the more it will pick up. And then you also have granularity. So actually... In Switzerland, we have higher values in the regions where they are not uh, like outside of the Alps. In the Alps, it's actually mostly softer. Yeah. And this is basically um, particle size. So we all know from coffee that the finer you grind, the quicker it will extract. And the same goes for dissolving rock in the soil. If you just have large boulders, that they have a, a very small surface area, they will dissolve much slower than if you have these kind of glacier residues, which uh, a big part of Switzerland is filled with. So you have this general tendency that you can see that some parts are kind of similar to each other. And uh, if you look at like worldwide picture, most people have water that is too high in hardness and alkalinity. And they're usually too high by a factor of three to four. I'd say it's kind of the bulk of uh, tap waters. Wow. So two to three times higher in hardness and alkalinity in general than what would be normally good for making coffee. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So that's you know a really strong case for getting water right. I wonder if you'd tell me a little bit about, I mean, if you've done any research on sort of how taste might change, you know, along the spectrum, a little bit too hard towards a little bit too soft. Yeah, what we mainly uh, investigated is the impact of water alkalinity on, on the acidity of the, of the coffee. That's a, quite a, a, simple, a simple relation where you could say the higher the alkalinity of your water, the lower the acidity of the beverage. Right. But again, this is very much depends on the type of beverage you do. If you compare like the average, let's say Italian espresso, at a, a beverage ratio of one to three. So the beverage is, uh, weighs three times as much as the coffee dose. And you compare it to filter where you have a ratio of one to 15, you have five times less water for espresso than you have for filter. So the water doesn't really have a, a big chance in neutralizing a lot for espresso, but it does for filter. I now see the reason why it's more important to get the water right for a filter coffee than an es Italian espresso. Got it, because yeah. it's the amount of water relative to the, the beverage. Yeah, and in terms of hardness, we generally saw that a lot of coffees, they react positively if you increase hardness in terms of aroma, that aroma tends to be better if you're not at zero total hardness. So it seems that the range, the optimal range can vary a lot depending on your roast style. A couple of years back, we've also seen some contenders one was um, Tetsu Kazuya, who eventually won the World Brewers' Cup, and Michaela Walgren, who placed second. And they both used straight RO water. 
which is pretty much at zero, zero. Yeah. And uh, apparently they brewed fantastic coffees because otherwise they wouldn't have placed first and second in the Brewers uh, Championship. But I'm, in my experience, this only works if you also optimize your roast style to this kind of water composition. Yeah. So there seems to be quite a lot of play depending on what's the best water composition, depending on your roast style also. Well, Dr. Marco Wellinger, thanks so much for joining us here today on Fifth Wave. Yeah, thank you as well. There's no doubt about it. Unless you're lucky enough to live in a city with excellent water for coffee, you should avoid putting unmanaged tap water into your expensive coffee brewing equipment at all costs. And if you're interested in going deeper into coffee science, you can now take an online course and earn yourself a certificate of advanced studies in coffee excellence from Marcos University. We've linked it in the show notes. Managing water in your coffee program means you are ultimately delivering great tasting coffee to your customers whilst looking after the economics of your business. And that's all this week for the Fifth Wave podcast. Please subscribe to The Fifth Wave wherever you get your podcasts, and we'd really appreciate a good rating if you enjoyed this show. Follow us on Instagram, Fifth Wave Coffee. That's the number five, followed by TH Wave Coffee. Tell us what topics are important to you so we can make the show more relevant to you and to your business. This episode was produced in the one and only Serendipity Studios in glorious Camden, North London. It was produced by myself, Jeffrey Young, Hannah Heath, James Harper of Filter Productions, and sound engineering by Chris Brister. And this week's song is from the winner of the Coffee Music Project Coffee Theme 2021 competition. It's a cool track, Coffee Bean by Zania Harris. And until next time, stay safe and stay caffeinated. Change the face